You're listening to the Assembly Call IU podcast and postgame show, the place where Indiana fans across the globe hang out online after every IU basketball game. Join us for our live broadcasts on Thursday nights and immediately following every IU game at our website, assemblycall.com. That's assemblycall.com. Welcome, Hoosier fans, to another victorious episode of the Assembly Call, as today your Indiana Hoosiers complete the exhibition portion of their schedule with a 74-53 to victory over the University of Indianapolis. This is a game that the Hoosiers came out and you know played a bit of an uneven first half, I thought, as I talked about on the IU Hoops halftime report. I uh, didn't think the defense was quite as sharp as they were against Marion. Uh, Indianapolis missed several easy shots, which really helped Indiana build that nine-point lead in the first half. But I thought the Hoosiers really came out and played with more of a purpose in the second half. Obviously, you know, not a perfect performance by any means. A lot of things for the coaches to continue to work on with this team as they install their new system and these guys get comfortable in the new system. But still, some positives to build on, and we are going to talk about all of those on this edition of the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am your host, Jared Morris. I will be joined here momentarily by Ryan Phillips. But let's begin this show as we begin every episode of the Assembly Call, and that is with our Hoosier Proud banner moment. And the banner moment for me in this game came toward the beginning of the second half. And look, if you listen to Assembly Call Radio this week, you heard my secret overreaction that I was a little bit concerned about Deron Davis uh, and how he had been playing thus far. Uh, and I thought today we really saw the kind of performance out of Deron Davis that I know I've been wanting to see. I thought he was much more consistent today. And I thought the stretch that he had at the start of the second half was really indicative of his day overall and what Indiana needs from him this year if they are going to outperform some of these lower preseason expectations. You know, you saw at the start of the second half two really quick buckets by Duran that I thought flashed the two things that he does the best. Uh, one is clean up offensive rebounds and get putbacks, and he had that when he ran the floor and finished a Josh Newkirk missed layup. It was really nice hustle and a really nice job of finishing. On the next possession, he got the ball down in the post on the right block, backed his man down, drop step bucket, vintage Deron Davis down low. But even more important than that was the defense that he played. Because consistently at the start of the second half, the University of Indianapolis was dumping it down to their big guy, Dixon, and Duran was playing really solid defense, forcing tough shots, getting a couple of block shots as well, and most importantly, not fouling. And that is so important for Duran this year to be able to defend without fouling and he did it all. He showed it all in that stretch. He had four points, a couple of block shots, had a couple of really nice rebounds, and those rebounds were defensive rebounds as well, which is nice to see because defensive rebounding has not been his strength. But it keyed a quick Indiana 6-0 run that started the second half, and I thought really got things off on the right foot for the Hoosiers. For the game, Duran had 11 points, seven boards, five blocks, 
uh, and just a couple of fouls there uh, in the minutes that he played. And we will talk a lot more about him as we go through today's show. But I really thought that what he showed there at the start of the second half is exactly what Indiana needs and shows a guy hopefully taking those next steps and getting himself ready to have a really productive regular season uh, and shut people like me up who may be questioning whether he's ready to have that type of regular season. So it was really nice to see there from Duran. Our banner moment, as always, brought to you by our friends at Hoosier Proud, an Indiana-based t-shirt and apparel company that is by Hoosiers for Hoosiers. And if you're wondering why you should check out their website, HoosierProud.com, I will give you three reasons. Number one is their designs. I mean, you go to a t-shirt and apparel shop to get cool designs, and Hoosier Proud has that. They have officially licensed IU gear, for one, uh, and that's new this year, so very exciting. They also have a bunch of really cool and interesting designs that are inspired by unique elements of the Hoosier State, and they're the official provider of Assembly Call logo shirts. So if you want to support the show and get an Assembly Call shirt, you can find those at HoosierProud.com. The number two reason to go is their philanthropy. Hoosier Proud donates a portion of the revenue from their t-shirt sales to specific Indiana-based charities. And the number three reason to visit HoosierProud.com is they're just really generous to our audience. Connor and the team at Hoosier Proud love what we do here at the Assembly Call, which is why they sponsor our show and give our listeners 15% off. All you have to do is use the promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y at checkout, and you will get 15% off your entire order. That's promo code ASSEMBLY, A-S-S-E-M-B-L-Y. Check them out at HoosierProud.com. All righty. Well, it is time for us to move the ball, find the open man, and get some opening thoughts from the rest of our team. Uh, Andy is not here today to deliver his bottoms line. He is coaching his girls' basketball team. Uh, so we will kick it over to Ryan Phillips for Ryan's Rant, brought to us by TheBigLead.com. You know, I think that the the thing that has stood out the most to me early on um, and we've talked about this on the radio show is the commitment to defense and it's certainly there and I know all caveats for playing a division two opponent whatever okay fine but what you see from these guys is stuff that will show up regardless of the opponent it's the recoveries to three points it's, it's help and recovery is the big deal and these guys are all helping each other on defense all recovering to the three-point line under control and not getting beaten there and I feel like they're putting a higher tempo pressure on opponents defensively you're not seeing guys driving into the lane unmolested you're seeing other people step up and you're seeing recovery when they help and recover and and that is such a key to what Archie Miller wants to do with the pack line defense you want to be able to recover to three point uh shooters because you are helping so much on drives to prevent easy baskets in the lane. So the fact that these guys are already at a point where they are recovering to those three point shooters under control and and harassing them and and making it so they don't get easy open looks is enormous for what Archie Miller and his and his staff want to do. So I would say that I know 53 points to Indianapolis that's not going to be an indicative, you know, you're not going to be able to take a lot away from that game defensively, but watching these guys play, you can tell the commitment is there and you can tell that they are focused on stopping opponents more than they are on you know, outscoring them. And and I think that what we've seen so far in the exhibitions uh, at Hoosier Hysteria, it shows that these guys really want to be great defenders. And this they want this team to be a great defensive team. And it's showing already. And you're just seeing in the way they're moving around the court, the way they're, as I said, recovering, you know, making plays for each other, helping out. Um, 
and being in the right spots. I mean, Deron Davis with five blocks tonight, all of them were because he was in the right place defensively. He's not an uber athletic guy who's going to get blocks just by, you know, his specific athleticism, like a Troy Williams, when he would recover backside and get a block. He's a guy who needs to be in the right position to make those things happen. And he was tonight. And so seeing all of those guys step up their game defensively is enormous. And it's what Indiana fans have been crying for for so long. The offense at times looks a little disjointed. It takes time to learn an offensive system. We know that the priority was put on defense this offseason and changing the mentality there. So it's going to take a while to get everything to work offensively. But what you're seeing is a complete culture change and sea change from, from Archie Miller focusing on defense and focusing on stopping opponents and making their lives miserable on offense. And so far, it looks really good. Yeah, and, and I'll tell you this: while the offense did look disjointed and, and has in the first two exhibition games, at times, I mean, at times it looks fine. But, right. You know. Well, and, and here's the thing: uh, Indiana has committed a total of 18 turnovers in the two exhibition games. Yeah. A total of 18 turnovers, and they had only had four turnovers today until about five minutes left in the game, and they committed yeah. four more at the end of the game. So, you know, we can talk about the offense, and it doesn't look as pretty as we may be used to, and, and, and as we want. But I'll tell you what not turning the ball over, playing more under control. You know, Indiana did not shoot the ball well today. You know, Indiana was 28-64 overall. But but the way that you compensate for that is you offensive rebound and you don't turn the ball over, and that's what Indiana did, and it was good to see. And you also convert turnovers into points, and that was another yes. big thing. I was glad they talked about that on the broadcast, and an excellent job of pointing that out. As Indiana forced at one point, it forced seven turnovers, but had 16 points off those turnovers. You know, that's that's converting your defense into offense, and they also had given up zero points on turnovers. So, you know, that's a 16-point swing right there just by being solid at both ends. You know, that, that, that's yeah. it. That's all you got to do is be smart and solid at both ends. And you'll you'll outdo that. So, but I also wanted to mention with the offense, I thought they missed a lot of easy buckets, particularly in the first half. A lot of yeah. layups missed. A lot of you know, and some of that is guys in their first action of the season, you know, just not being solid. But I also think that it was just guys, you know, maybe facing a taller lineup than they faced in a while and not finishing through it. And, and so I think that there there's a a chance for that shooting percentage to go up just by being smarter and solid at the hoop, you know, and, and getting those buckets in. And you know what? And and you Indy missed a lot of easy shots in the first half too. And yeah. I wonder if both teams were a little bit disjointed by the long delay because the tip was delayed 45 minutes yeah. because of the tornado warning. Because because I, I want to push back just a little defensively. Look. I think it is a sign of tremendous growth already just in mentality that Indiana can hold an opponent to 0.73 points per possession like they did in the first half, and I can come on the halftime report and still be a little bit disappointed defensively. Because what I thought, I thought that what we saw against Marion, you know, the pressure on the ball, keeping guys out of the lane, not allowing easy buckets, I didn't think Indiana was quite as sharp in the first half. And I think when you look at giving up seven layups, as much as Archie has harped on not giving up easy buckets, and the amount of, of open threes I thought Indy missed in the first half, I think there's going to be a lot for him to look at and correct and coach the guys up on. But what was really impressive, I thought, was in the second half, it was better. And I thought they got back way to... Way better. Yeah, way better. Way better. Yeah, they got back to doing the things that we saw against Marion. Now, obviously, Indiana's going to have to do this against higher-level opponents going forward. But I agree with you that the mentality is there. The accountability is there. Like you would see entire games, heck, entire weeks, maybe months go by with Indiana playing defense like they did in the first half against UIndy. But I was really 
interested to see how they came out in the second half because my gut feeling was that Archie Miller was in there at halftime talking to them about his dissatisfaction with some of the defensive possessions. And they looked a lot better, I, I thought. And, and that was one of the reasons why they were able to, to go on that run to start the second half and then recover after UND pushed back a little bit, got it to 39-31, and then Indiana pushed it out and you know was, was rolling from there. So much better. Just overall, the defense is much better. There's no question about it. Yeah, and I just, again, it's the movement on defense. It's the commitment to help and recover, which, I mean, again, that translates against any opponent. So, I mean, you know, we're not yeah. just talking about the numbers here and, and how many points they gave up, whatever. We're talking about the mentality, the movement, and the commitment that they're showing. Now, again, it's going to be more difficult to do that against better teams, but at least the momentum is there and the push is there for it to work out. You are listening to the Assembly Call. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's 74-53 win over Indy. All right, uh, Ryan, I want to talk about something that has me a little bit concerned. Because, uh, you know, you go through these exhibition games, you expect there to be a lot of highlights, a lot of nice box score numbers, and there are, and we will get to all of those. Let me tell you what my, my biggest concern is coming out of today, and it's Juwan Morgan. And we saw in the first half, Juwan Morgan played, I think, a total of nine minutes and if you didn't look at the box score to see that he played those nine minutes, you might not know that he played because he did not register a shot attempt. He did not register an assist. I believe the only statistic he registered was one personal foul. Now, it's not to say that his defense was terrible, but Jawan is now a junior, and he's a guy who Archie Miller has specifically talked about as having a responsibility for production. And so for him, just being active and being out there is not enough. He has to produce more. And so in the second half, he did more. You know, he came out there and he got five or six rebounds. I thought played some really good defense to start the half. He had the nice drive where he ran the floor and got the bucket on the pass from Josh Newkirk, I think. So he, and, and look, he also had a couple of really nice passes out of the post. Only one of them converted into an assist, but he could have had two or three of them. So he did more in the second half, but still in 19 minutes, he scored two points. He only got one shot attempt did have the six rebounds, but also had the three fouls. And those three fouls had him in foul trouble early in the game. And he had to leave uh, in the second half for foul trouble, had to leave in the first half for foul trouble. So, you know, we've now seen him, you know, struggle a little bit to get, to get going offensively in the scrimmage in the first exhibition game. This was, you know, kind of the nadir. I mean, this is kind of the worst that he's played and the least productive that he's been, you know, and I don't want to be too concerned about a guy who's shown us that he'll be productive. But this team is really counting on him a lot, and I would have liked to see more production from him in a game and a matchup that really seemed to be one that he could take advantage of. Are you at all concerned about Juwan now as we head into the regular season? As, as I've kind of talked about on a few of these uh, few preseason shows we've done, I'm I'm really not going to start judging these guys for their production until about December because I do think it's hard to switch systems. For the freshmen, it's easy. The freshmen are coming in and they are seeing this for the first time, you know, and, and this they they're not having to unlearn a system that they've learned in college and that they've spent so much time working it. Guy like Juwan's been in it for two years and this is a completely different mentality. So, and he's been injured. And, and so I'm kind of allowing him a grace period before I get upset, <laughs> you know, before I got start reacting to it. Um, I did see some of the things you saw where he just kind of was drifting through the game at times. I thought he was much better in the second half. Uh, but again, some of these guys, it's going to take time to find their fit in this offense. I, I thought that in the opening exhibition game, Robert Johnson looked out of sorts and looked like he maybe thought he was supposed to be shooting when he didn't have a good shot, like, you know, almost like he had to. And then I thought today he, but, looked but like he found a way to produce is the difference, you know, and today sure. Juwan struggled just to get to get production. Sure. 
No, and then I thought today Robert looked more comfortable and looked like yeah. you know he found a way to to contribute. As for Juwan, you're right. I, I think that it's also awkward for him because he's an inside outside guy, so you don't really know where you fit necessarily in a lot of offenses or where you're supposed to be or what you're supposed to do. So I think that for him, the adjustment period is going to be particularly hard. Um, so we'll see how it works out. I agree with you that that what we've seen so far hasn't been super encouraging, but I also am going to give all of these guys a little bit of time to sort of figure out where they fit. Uh, I thought Colin Hartman, for example, came in and fit in seamlessly and, and looked yeah. exactly like he knew what he was doing right away. Um, so Jawan, you know, that encourages me that maybe Jawan will find this spot. Uh, so we'll see it, it, it you know, it, again, with a coaching change, you kind of got to pump the brakes on, on, you know, worrying about things for, I've said mid-December is, is what I'm targeting for when I start to make judgments about this team. Um, but I think that you can look at positives, you can look at negatives. And certainly today that was a negative. Uh, but I'm not worried long term yet on this. I'm, I'm only waiting until November 29th after we beat Duke. So I just Okay. Go, well, just then, you can your, <laughs> then you can predict us to win a national championship. It'll be fantastic. No, I'm not going that far. Not going uh, that you far. You sure about but that? We be, but we will beat Duke. I, we will beat Duke. We are cutting that soundbite and holding it off because I guarantee you at some point this season... <laughs> No, I'm not that crazy. I'm not that crazy. So you mentioned Colin Hartman. We're going to talk about him next. We're going to talk about Freddie McSwain as well, because the silver lining, I guess, you know, or, or the bright side, you know, you look at Juwan Morgan not producing, you know, having 2.6 boards. That's the kind of line that you might expect from Freddie McSwain. Well, you need someone to produce like Juwan Morgan. And today, Freddie McSwain produced like Juwan Morgan. He had 12 points. He had nine boards, six of them offensive. He was absolutely terrific on offense and defense. We will talk about him talk about all the other storylines from this game coming up on the assembly call and we will start by pointing out tonight's meaningful moment uh today's meaningful moment that you may have missed and we will also go inside the numbers that is next here on the assembly call stick with us Hey, just a real quick note here. The next time that you are going to shop online for IU gear, use the URL iustore.shop. That will take you to the official IU online store where they have anything you could possibly want. Candy stripe pants, the script Indiana warm-up shirt, all kinds of IU gear. And that URL, iustore.shop, is actually our affiliate URL. So when you use it, and buy something, we get paid a commission. So it's a great way for you to shop for the IU gear that you need and to support the assembly call at the same time. Again, the URL is iustore.shop. Please bookmark it and use it the next time you're looking to buy IU gear. We appreciate it. Now back to the show. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's 74-53 exhibition victory over the University of Indianapolis. And it is time for today's meaningful moment that you might have missed, which is delivered by iustore.shop, the URL to use when you need to shop online for IU gear. And perhaps a bit of a misnomer today, because this is definitely a meaningful moment that you didn't miss. But maybe now, since it came in the middle of the first half, you've forgotten about it a little bit and the importance at the time. But Ryan, you mentioned Colin Hartman, and he obviously has not played yet, you know, sprained his ankle. And so we've been waiting for his debut. He played today along with Al Durham. They both made their debuts. Both guys were on minutes restrictions. But Colin came in, and as you said, just immediately 
found his way. And Indiana was struggling early offensively. Indy was up 15 to 11 as both teams kind of jostled back and forth for control of the game. Well, Colin came in and scored six straight points for Indiana, hitting two beautiful three-point shots that just reminded us all of great Colin Hartman moments from days gone by. He just he looked like the old Colin, and when nothing was else was really working on offense at that time, Colin really gave this team a shot in the arm, and that is what keyed the 17-2 run by Indiana, which was as impressive a stretch as Indiana had all game. And it went from Indy being up 15-11 to Indiana being up 28-17, to and I thought Colin really keyed that and kind of got the guys going. Indiana built some momentum. Obviously, the crowd got into the game and got jazzed when he made those shots. But more than anything, it was great to see him look healthy. It was great to see him shoot with confidence. I mean, that's what you expect from a 23-year-old senior. He doesn't need he was time. Moving. He was moving really well on the court, too. That was that was encouraging part. He was, and he moved well for about the first three, four minutes. And then you saw him kind of slow down a little bit. I think part of that is just conditioning, just getting his conditioning back. Anyone who's had an ankle injury knows that, obviously, it's hard to stay in as good a shape as you're going to be in. And so I thought he was a little bit late on a few defensive rotations, which only sticks out because it's Colin Hartman, and you always expect him to be in the right place. But that, again, just more a function of conditioning, I think, than any type of awareness. But just a really impressive game for Colin. And I thought that moment in particular, when your team is struggling and you need to get going, that's when a veteran needs to step up and say, hey, I'm going to make some plays. And Indiana didn't really have that guy last year. And maybe Colin was one of the guys who could have been that guy. Uh, and hopefully he will be able to be that guy this year. And I thought that was just a really nice stretch for him. Great to see him come back. But more importantly, great to see him really give the team something it needed at that exact moment. What other observations did you have from Colin's game today? Well, again, I think he came in and I think that you just saw how much everybody appreciates him with the ovation he got. Um, but also, you know, how important he is to this team because of what he can do. And he's such a Swiss army knife offensively and defensively. He can guard a lot of different positions. Uh, he can, you know, play a lot of positions. He can play on the perimeter. He's an excellent shooter. Um, and he was three for three from three tonight. I, you know, I guess what I would say you know, we're not going to be able to tell a lot until we see him in more extended action. Um, but I thought that it just, he fit in seamlessly. He clearly knows what these guys want to do with this coaching staff wants on offense, clearly knows what they want on defense and he hasn't played it. And, uh, you know, Max Bielfeld had a great line. He said, you know, Colin Hartman hasn't played a game at assembly hall since I have. And, and, and so it was the first time and, you know, really like a year and a half that Colin Hartman had played a basketball game at assembly hall had played a college basketball game. So, um, you know, it, it was interesting to see him just come right in right away, play 15 minutes, hit all three shots he took, um, you know, and they were threes. It wasn't like they were layups and, and he just looked comfortable. And I think that that is just a reassuring, almost like a, a, a big sigh for Indiana fans that he looks like the same guy, if not even a little better. Uh, and, and we'll be able to provide something for this team this year. And, and I think we all expected that, but it was good to finally see it and realize that, okay, no, this exists. This is a thing. And yeah. uh, happy for Colin also that he got back on the court. Yeah, and you know the other meaningful moment that, that you might not remember it came, again, and I don't think it's a coincidence, You know, with Hartman playing on the floor in the second half. I mentioned that 6-0 run Indiana jumped out to. Well, University of Indianapolis jumped right back, and they actually got it to 39-31 with a quick run there early in the second half. And that is when Indiana then went on a 13-4 run of their own. Another Colin Hartman three was involved in there. That's what pushed the lead out for good, and Indiana was able to kind of nurse that lead and cruise from there get the 21-point victory, but I don't think it's any coincidence that in only 15 minutes, Colin was plus 12-5 
12, which was one of the top plus minus rates on the team. Uh, and to be able to do that just in just always, that short amount of time, he was just very productive. His, and he just his, settles the team down. And he did that totally. you know, every time he was on the floor before his injury. He just always settled a team down. And it just it's almost like they everybody gets calmer because they realize they have, you know, the guy who knows what he's doing on the floor or something like that. I don't you know, I'm, I'm sure that's not what it is, but it feels like that's, I think what that's it part is. of it. I mean, look, you know, you know but I, I guess me saying that makes it sound like they don't know what they're doing. It's not that it's a, they have a rock that they know will never screw up and, and they can all just focus on their jobs and not have to worry about him, I guess. Well, but, what, well, well and, and, and with this particular roster construction, it's important because if you had listened to Archie talk this week and you kind of read between the lines, you know, when he talked about vocal leadership, he mentioned, and you know, it's a cliche, but in this case, it's true. You know how Colin Hartman is like a coach on the floor and how yeah. having him back out there playing makes such a big difference. And I think it was on the, the pregame show today, talking with fish, Archie talked about how, you know, you know, Robert Johnson is a good leader by example. We're still trying to get him to be a little bit more vocal. Same thing with Juwan Morgan. So some of these guys where leadership is being expected and they're going to play a lot of minutes, they aren't necessarily vocal leaders, you know, yeah. and that's where a guy like Yogi was such a stern, strong yeah, vocal leader as a senior. Yeah, well, exactly. And, and so Indiana has had that. And so I think that's what Colin brings. And so, you know, again, he's all he's going to be today, you know, shoot a lot of his contributions can be seen in the box score. That won't always be the case, but I think that's kind of, you know, what you're talking about there, Ryan, is he is a confident vocal leader on a team of guys still trying to find their way and where a lot of the minutes leaders aren't necessarily vocal guys by nature. So he fills a very important role for this team in that sense. Yeah. He just settles things when he's on the floor. And I, I think that's, that that's just, that, that's almost one of the biggest compliments you can give a player is that things calm down when they're on the floor because people have confidence in them and yep. they you know they're it, it's just things get better when they get on the floor and i just i feel like that's who he is and that's why i've said i think he's going to start this year you know I, I think he has to um and play more minutes so hopefully uh we'll see him you know be able to play more minutes and be able to, to spend more time on the floor as as he gets a little more up to speed yep all right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips breaking down Indiana's exhibition victory. Ryan, let's go inside the numbers a little bit, and there's a lot of interesting numbers that we can hit, but I'd like to linger just a little bit on the turnover number because you know we're early in the season. I don't want to take it for granted now that Indiana just turns the ball over less than 10 times a game. I think this is something worth celebrating and talking about, and I thought it was really interesting. You know, in the first half, they had a stretch where two of their turnovers came, you know, back to back and they were on passes reminiscent of plays Indiana would have tried to make last year. It was basically Devontae Green and Robert Johnson trying to be a little bit too fancy and playing a little bit too fast and just trying to make a play that, you know, with maybe a perfect pass, it's there. But the degree of difficulty and the risk probably wasn't worth not it. worth it, <laughs> not worth it. And so you saw those turnovers. But, you know. Last year, in seasons past, those turnovers would have just been in with a whole group of a bunch of other turnovers. What was stark about those today is it was just kind of those isolated turnovers and none other. I mean, they're just there aren't the head slapping turnovers in the half court. Guys just throwing it out of bounds, trying to do too much. And it's not that Indiana is playing slow. I mean, Archie talked about really wanting to attack the front of the basket. And I thought Robert Johnson in particular came out with a mindset today of attacking the basket, you know, and really driving. And, and Indiana did push the ball but they were able to do so without turning it over. What are you seeing, you know, outside of just not making dumb passes, which, you know, Indiana did too much last year. What else are you That's seeing? That's pretty much it. <laughs> no, I mean, is, I, is it that simple? I mean, no, I, I think that is certainly a, a, a significant portion of it. But I also think that um, 
there's a mindset of they seem to know where the open guy is going to be. I'm also not seeing turnovers in ball handling, which we saw a lot of last year. You know, like they're not just dribbling it out of bounds. You're not seeing that. And you're seeing maybe the ball handling video game is having an effect. Maybe, you know, I look, I mean, the ball handling is certainly, but I, I I don't, I haven't seen a person on the team who's not better at ball handling. You know, I I think all of the guys are better at it. Um, And I think there's more of a focus of instead of valuing tempo, which I think they want to be, you know, have more of an up-tempo offense and they want to play a little bit faster. Um, there is a value given to possession. And, and I, I think that instead of having more possessions, they want to have good possessions. And and they are valuing each one of those trips up the floor to the offensive end. And it's clear they don't want to just give stuff away. And I think that, you know, for better or worse, when Tom Crean's offense was running well with a veteran group that knew it well, like, the last Big Ten championship team, that was amazing to watch. And it was so much fun to watch. And, you know, they ma- they have 15 turnovers, but if you looked at the number of possessions, you know, and how much they scored and all that stuff, you'd kind of forgive it because they were going up and down the floor so much. The problem with that was when they faced a team that could stop them and they continued turning the ball over and they got slowed down a little, that was where the problem existed mostly or where they just weren't hitting shots or, you know, making that tempo work in this system. You're starting to see that they're not going to give those possessions away and, and they're not going to, you know, just give stuff up. And, and you said something um, about attacking the rim. And I thought that that was really interesting because I, I, that's not different than what we saw. You know, Tom cream always wanted to, to attack the rim and kick out. That was like his thing. If you don't have a layup, kick it out and we'll get an open three. What I've seen from Archie Miller's offense is they want to attack the middle of the floor and attack the The front of the rim. If you attack the middle of the floor, the defense sucks in and it opens the number of options you have around you because everybody has to suck in. If you're just opening up, if you're attacking one side, only one side of the defense collapses. With the middle of the floor, you're getting everyone to collapse on you on a drive. And if they don't collapse, you've got an easy layup. Um, so you're seeing more of a commitment to do that and attack the middle of the floor. Any coaches out there, any kids out there that are watching, if you want to find easy baskets, easy passes, you attack the middle of the floor, attack the middle of the paint. You don't have to get all the way to the rim. Attack below the free throw line in the middle of the paint. Everybody will pay attention to you, has to suck in, has to help, and that opens up the floor for everybody else. And I think that you're seeing a, a commitment to that, and that is certainly different. You're seeing fewer drives off the wing and more off the front of, uh, you know, off the middle of the floor and towards the front of the rim, as you said. And, you know, the other thing that Indiana's turnovers in the last few seasons have really forced is that Indiana basically had to shoot really well and offensive rebound really well to compensate for the turnovers and be able to and get back on defense. And there were problems with that. Yeah. And if any of those elements of the game weren't there, Indiana's margin for error was really, really low. You know, and and what we saw today is, you know, Indiana didn't have a particularly great shooting day. You know, they were seven of 20 from downtown, which is 35 percent. That's not horrible, but it's not great. Uh, you know, 43.8% from the field, which against a team like Indianapolis, you would want Indiana to shoot, you know, better than 50% from the field and shoot only 11 of 19 from the free throw line. So the shot, Indiana's collective shot still isn't there. And yet, you know, because you didn't turn the ball over so much, you know, you're not quite as dependent on being able to make every shot. And that margin isn't quite so razor thin. And so hopefully as this continues and as the competition gets better, 
this turnover rate can continue. And, you know, I'll reiterate again in last year's exhibition season, just so you don't think, well, yeah, the turnover rate's better, but it's two exhibition opponents. I think Indiana had 41 turnovers combined in the two exhibition games last year, 18 combined in the two this year. That's a big difference. And turnovers in so many ways are about habits and the habits that you bring to an exhibition game are going to be similar to the habits that you bring to an Indiana state game and to a Duke game. And if you just are a team that value possessions and don't turn it over, you know, that that's important. And to me, it's the biggest thing to take from the exhibition season so far. Let me amend what you just said. There are things that turnovers are about. Okay. And habits is definitely a big one. Two is focus. And, and, and knowing where your guy's going to be. And three is just caring about the basketball and i know that's a very nebulous thing to say i get it but you have to care about those possessions they're valuable because if you don't have the ball you can't score like i mean that it's, it's that simple and when you have the ball you have a chance to score And when you score it puts pressure on the other team and if you give away those chances to put pressure on the other team you're gonna lose and with a defense that you know can stop teams every one of those baskets you make is even more valuable if you're able to stop the other team. And so you can't just give these valuable opportunities to put pressure on that team away. You just can't, you can't hand them away. And that that's the biggest thing. You know, it's, you, you've mentioned turnovers and it's turnovers, but it's also the mentality that if you don't turn the ball over and you can get a quality shot, regardless of whether you make it or miss it, you're making them defend you, one, and two, you're putting pressure on them that they have to come down and make something happen on offense, and that's playing into your hands because of the defense you're building. Yep. All righty, we have a lot of individuals still to discuss and break down, so we are going to do that coming up here as we continue this episode of the Assembly Call and our breakdown of Indiana's victory over the University of Indianapolis. So that is next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. Catch us live immediately following every IU basketball game and every Thursday night on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. You can also view all of our live broadcasts right on our homepage at assemblycall.com. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are breaking down Indiana's 74-53 victory over the University of Indianapolis today. Uh, Ryan, let's start talking about some individuals. Obviously, the story of the very, very, very early season for Indiana and the scrimmage in the first exhibition was Devontae Green. And today, you know, we saw Devontae not quite as able to get going as he's been in the past. He came out early looking for a shot, had five points early in the game, made a three, had another nice bucket. Did not score again. Uh, had four rebounds. Had a couple of assists. Uh, also had, you know, probably the two worst turnovers for Indiana. I think today both of them were just kind of, you know, him going a little bit too fast and maybe trying to make a play that wasn't there. And and I think, you know, for for folks who have maybe said, you know, let's wait and see on Devonte a little bit. Consistency is the key. You know, this is the type of game that maybe we were a little bit afraid of. You know, that he's going to be really good one game and then maybe not be able to find his way the next game. Uh, what were your thoughts in general on Devontae's play today? Yeah, I mean, you, you have to look about this. With Devontae, with how little he played last year, he's almost like a redshirt freshman. I mean, he really is. And, and so there are going to be those up and down. I mean, I realize he's a sophomore. I realize he got into Big Ten games last year and everything. But he it wasn't like he was getting significant minutes off the bench. So this is kind of going to be an ebb and flow situation for him. Um, the key is to see more good than bad. And I think you're seeing the good defensively. 
I mean, he is all over the place defensively. He is locking the perimeter down when he's there. Um, he'll get beat from time to time. That's going to happen. Veteran guys are, you know, have a savvy that he doesn't, and they, they're going to find ways to beat him. But you're looking at his intensity defensively. And we even noticed that last year when he or Curtis Jones would come into the game, the defensive intensity would pick up. The problem was offensively, they would hurt the team. And so they couldn't be out there very long together. Um, but I liked what I saw from him defensively today. I agree. His shot is up and down. Uh, he, you know, he took three free throws and missed them all and he rushed them all. And, and I was kind of just like, you know, settle down. He got fouled on a three pointer. It was a really nice way to, to, he, he, he sort of got the guy to jump into him on the three. Um, and, and I think that, you know, he just has to settle down and take his time with his free throws. His motion is a little uh, like, you know, jerky. And so he's got to kind of settle down and, and, and take his time on those shots. Um, but again, I, I thought that the positives were he moved the ball on offense. Uh, did you're right. He didn't find his shot as much. He wasn't as engaged in the second half offensively. Uh, but I thought that defensively the entire time he was out there, he was engaged and playing very well. And I think that as long as he can fall back on that, uh, what he gives you offensively is going to be a bonus for now you're going to start expecting more from him in the coming weeks. But right now I thought it was fine because he played such good defense. And then offensively, you know, he's able to at least move the ball around, get other people involved a bit. Uh, but you want to see him start to assert himself more as the season goes along. And as we get into the regular season, uh, but I thought the defense was good today and that's a good place for him to start building from build from the back forward. Yeah. Another really important performance today was Freddie McSwain. And so let's talk about Freddie a little bit. Let's I've got to interject with something because I want to talk about post guys in general. I thought looked better today. Yeah, um, and, and much better. And and uh, you know, speaking of IU post guys, you guys, Thomas Bryant had his debut in the G League last night and dominated. Twenty two points, nine rebounds, was a plus fourteen, had three blocks for the South Bay Lakers, and he keyed a nineteen a team that came back from a 19-point deficit to win in overtime. Those games are on Facebook Live. If you're bored at home and you want to watch Thomas Bryant, do it. He's dominating the G League, folks. He's going to be up with the Lakers soon. I, I, I like mention that. Nice, nice, nice shout out for Thomas. I like it. Yeah. So, so let's talk about the day for Freddie. And it's interesting because it, the day didn't actually start out that great. So if you think Ooh. back way to the beginning of the game, Deron Davis actually had a great start to the game as well as a great start to the second half. But if you remember, he went out with an injury and, and, you know, kind of limped off with that knee injury. Everybody held their breath. Everybody's worried. Fortunately, we were able to breathe a collective sigh of relief as he came back. But Freddie McSwain came in for Deron. And it's almost like Indiana was so committed to getting the ball into the big man early, they kind of forgot that it was Freddie because two straight possessions ended with Freddie McSwain getting the ball and kind of need, needing to create and shoot. And that is not ideal. You know, your possession should really not end with Freddie having the ball unless he's getting an offensive rebound or is on a fast break or has just made a really nice basket cut and basically needs to take one step and dunk it. Right now, Freddie did make a nice little jump shot in the second half, which proves me wrong a little bit. But I think Max Bielfeld had a good point that what's going to be important for Freddie is to be able to do what he did today in games where the athletes are equal to him. And so, you know, what Freddie did today was basically dominate and do hashtag Freddie McSwain things for the entire time that he was on the court. And he had 12 points, nine boards, as I mentioned earlier, including the six offensive rebounds. Very impressively, was four or five from the free throw line only had the one turnover and only had two fouls. So seeing Freddie and Duran defend without fouling for a team that doesn't have a whole lot of depth down low was really important. But I just thought the contrast between 
you know, Freddie kind of getting the ball and needing to create some offense and make a move to score, that's not his strength. And when he just went back to flying around, getting offensive rebounds, being a menace, running the floor and dunking, we saw what Freddie McSwain can bring to this team. And nothing has happened in the exhibition season to suggest that Freddie McSwain isn't going to be an integral part of the rotation and a guy who can continue to be counted on for basically a rebound every couple of minutes and you know a few rebound putbacks a game. Really impressive performance from him today, and like you said, from both the big guys. Yeah, and and the thing about Freddie is just his his goal every time he's out there is just be active. And I know that's that's again such a nebulous thing, but you want him running around, you want him flying around after rebounds. The last thing he should be doing is taking like jump shots, and we saw him do that some last year. It's like, no, Freddie, go go to the hoop, go to the hoop, <laughs> just stand by the hoop and jump. Like you know, we'll find you. Um, and that's that's what his value is going to be. And with his athleticism, he can probably guard bigger guys in the Big Ten. Um, and, and with his activity level, he'll probably be a pest. Um, so hopefully we can see he and Duran continue to defend like that without fouling. You may wind up seeing them on the court together. You know, one of the guys playing the backs, you know, put Freddie McSwain on the backside of the offense and have him clean up offensive rebounds if he has to. So, uh, but we'll, we'll see from him. I, I, I was encouraged with the performance today. I just thought again, the six offensive rebounds, I mean, that that's just what he does. And that that's going to be his, you know, 12 points, nine rebounds. He was a rebound away from a double, double. And actually late in the game, I felt bad for him because somebody snagged a rebound from him. I, I didn't see who it was, <laughs> but I actually had the game muted and I was kind of like, what are you doing? Let the guy get his double, double. But, um, you know, so I think I expect to see more and more of him um, as as things continue to go. If Jawan Morgan struggles, hey, throw Freddie McSwain out there for a few minutes, let Jawan settle down, maybe get refocused and come back in. And uh, I liked what what Freddie showed today. And look, Jawan Morgan is not the same level of athlete as Freddie McSwain, but I thought today was you know what Freddie did today is somewhat of a template for what Jawan should be doing, even if his shot's not falling. Because Jawan can be that guy. We've seen him be that guy. He's a very skilled offensive rebounder. He's extremely skilled at finishing around the basket. He just didn't give himself those opportunities today. And so you know I don't want to harp on it too much because it's only an exhibition game. But the value Jawan brings is he can do Freddie McSwain things, but also step out, take guys to the basket, and make jump shots. You know, yeah. so hopefully, you know, he sees that. And even on a day like today where he's not quite getting in the flow, man, just go crash the board, get some offensive rebounds, you know, find a way to be productive like that. And I thought Freddie did a really nice job of doing that today. Yeah. And 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 with Juwan, again, I, I I look for him to start to find a way to settle in. Um, it's just he's such a, an interesting guy because of the ability to do multiple things, as we've talked about many times. And, and it's almost like he has to decide okay, what's the most important thing I can do? And let's focus on that for now and then build from there as opposed to trying to do everything at once. Um, so I, I, I will be interested to see how the coaching staff addresses this and how the coaching staff, you know, where they try and put him into positions to succeed. Um, because I think they've done a pretty good job with managing some of these guys early. Uh, it'll be interesting to see because I think Juwan Morgan might be the most difficult piece to sort of settle in because he can do so many things. You want him to sort of, Again, start from something simple and build from there in a new system. And of course, his number one responsibility coming out of the exhibition season was to stay healthy, and it seems like he's done that. So in that case, this, this crossed, exhibition season was a uh, was a victory. You're listening to the Assembly Call IU Post Game Show. I'm Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, breaking down Indiana's victory over the University of Indianapolis. Ryan, I, I want to talk about something else that I thought was a bit of a weakness at times today. And and, and look, 
this is going to be a weakness because it's new guys getting used to a new system. We've said that, but shot selection uh, has been inconsistent, I thought, in these first couple of games. And I thought you saw it toward the end of the second half after Indiana had that bit or end of the first half after Indiana had that big 17 to two run. The Hoosiers really started settling for threes and we're really seeing and it's not just because they're missing some of these threes, but we're really seeing in the, these first two exhibition games, Indiana will go through some stretches where, like you said, they're attacking the basket. You know, they're really getting up and going. And then and it may be because they get a little bit tired. And Archie mentioned this, that they don't have the conditioning yet to attack consistently like he wants them to. But they'll go through three, four, five possessions where they settle for deep jump shots. And a lot of times these aren't jump shots that go in. Uh, and so I think one thing that I think we really want to look for improvement on is as Indiana starts to play in these uh, games that count now against Indiana State and Howard coming up is just better shot selection. Uh, and especially when it comes to do I take a three here or do I maybe be a little bit more patient and probe the defense? Um, and so that's one thing that I think coming out of this game, uh, I think, is something else offensively that Indiana can really look to improve on. You know, we've definitely saw them settling for some shots today. And uh, that, you know, there are experienced guys on the perimeter with Newkirk and Johnson, and they should not be doing that. Um, and they were two of the biggest culprits today, frankly. They absolutely were. Johnson. And and, and and that's unacceptable at their age. Now, again, exhibition game, new system, all that. But they can't be um, they can't be relying on, you know, gunning a three to bail them out of a possession. I mean, they, they, they need to be smarter because a bad shot, I'm sorry, and I've said this for years, a bad shot, an air ball, whatever. I mean, I know there weren't air balls today, but I'm just saying in general, bad shots are as bad as a turnover. I mean, they, they really, really are. If you get nothing out of a possession and you don't work it and, and you, you know, fire off a bad shot, that's, that's no better than a turnover. Um, because immediately you've got to run back on defense, you know, and and you've lost any chance to gain momentum or, as we've said, put pressure on the other team. If you work a good shot and you miss it, it's different because you at least got something positive out of the possession. So I think that, you know, I, I, I have sort of thought in these first two games that Rojo at times sort of looks like he feels like he needs to shoot. Like at some point, it's like, oh, I'm supposed to shoot here, y you know, and yeah. so I think that some of that is 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 still, you know, the old system kind of in his head about being faster and, and needing to find a shot and and hunting for his shots. And, and someone, him settling into a new role of being exactly. the guy, you know, yeah. that's, uh, that, that's interesting. That's an interesting balance because you've got to assert yourself and force offense at times and then at other times be patient and you're not always going to make the right call. So, I'm mean, you know, I'm willing to be lenient with him, especially early in the season on that because he's really trying to figure out a new role for himself. Yeah, and, and uh, again pretty much everybody is because it's a new system and you're trying to figure out how you fit into it. So um, it's tougher on the guards because it's that old system was so guard dependent. And now I feel like Archie wants far more balance, wants to pound the ball inside. And, and so I think that you're, you're looking at guys who don't know what they're supposed to do sometimes, and that's natural in a new system. So I, again, we're giving them a little time, a little grace period. If they were doing this in January, we'd have any—I'd I'd have much more of an issue with it. Uh, but we'll see how it develops when, when you know, the the games are real coming up. I'm chuckling at my own use of the term "willing to be lenient," as if my willingness to grant someone lenience. People can't see it. Difference. You got a big <laughs> stick back there. You just whack people with when they're not they're not playing well. Oh man, that's funny. So um, he has so TV has smack marks on it up and down because he just whacks it. Uh, okay, last guy that I want to make mention of uh, here in this segment is Al Durham because we got to see the first appearance of Al Durham, and look, he's a guy that you know, was not a highly recruited guy, you know, kind of a lower three-star recruit. People have talked about, you know, is he going to redshirt? 
there's not a chance because Archie really, really likes him and spoke really highly of him this week in particular about how good he's been defensively. And we kind of knew that he was going to be a good defensive player and figured that defense was going to get him on the court. But Archie also described him as a very, very creative uh, and effective offensive player, a very efficient offensive player. Uh, and he's the kind of guy that kind of fits the profile of an Archie guard because, you know, his shooting, obviously, you know, he was 0 for 4 today from downtown. That's always been the thing from the time he committed to Indiana that we talked about him needing to improve. But he did show the flashes of how adept and savvy he is at getting to the basket. Uh, you know, had a couple of nice assists on drives and then kicking it out. I think one of them was for uh, one of those Colin Hartman three-pointers. And you just, you know, he came into the game and not only has he picked up the mantle for the OG Ananobi short shorts, but you just look at him and he's just Love like, it. he's all arms and legs out there. And you can see why he profiles not only as a good finisher at the rim, but also a good defensive player just because of that physical profile. And I thought he showed some interesting defensive instincts, you know, like his ability to follow a guy through the screen. Um, and just some other things that he did that I thought were very encouraging. And obviously, you would have liked to see him make one of those threes, but I'm not really that concerned. I thought for a guy who hasn't practiced as much because of the two hamstring injuries he suffered, to come in, to not turn the ball over, and to make some plays like he did, I was relatively impressed with uh, with Al Durham's first first minutes. Man, you and Andy are just going to love this when I tell you that he reminds me so much of Stan Robinson. Um, he, he does. You know, that that's the comparison. <laughs> A heavy defensive guy who's got a little bit of savvy, a little bit of. He's shape, longer than Stan, though. Oh, way longer. But it's the same yeah. thing. That, yeah. it's that coming in already being a defender, and then the shot not <laughs> being an issue. I hope Al doesn't have to change hands twice uh, in his college. He, he's a better shooter than Stan already. No, I mean, is, of course yeah. he is. I, but it's that same thing, and they're both lefties. Well, Stan was a lefty, then he was a righty, then he was a lefty again. But. <laughs> yeah. Um, no, I, I, it's, it's just the, it's just the ball of clay that they both are as far as that goes and, and the commitment to defense. And then, you know, having a little bit of shake to their game and a little bit of savvy, uh, it's going to take a while for Al. Uh, I think that, you know, immediately he gives you something on defense, but it's going to take a while for him offensively. I think that again, the ability is there and the, 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 the raw sort of, again, ball of clay that you want him to be is there but it's going to take time to get molded it's going to get time to work on that shot it's going to take time to work on the finishing um if he wants to be an efficient player as, as archie has built him as um but also you know it's hard to judge him today because it's his first appearance on you know at assembly hall so you know you gotta so let's just get excited that. yeah no i i, I look <laughs> i look forward to what he can be um i i just think that it's going to take a little bit of time especially with the guards that are on this team already uh it's going to take a little bit of time for him to sort of find that role um i'd love to see him play some this year um i mean we know he's he's not gonna redshirt but i mean i would like to see him find a role this year uh but you know it, it's it's one of those things where there's a lot to like about him uh but we'll we'll see how it all plays out this year and he's got to start hitting some shots though if he's going to have those open looks he's got to start hitting them in particular, there's a lot to like about him in Archie Miller's system. I, ironically, I yeah. think he's a better way for Archie, Archie than, he, than he was for Tom Crean. You know, like I think this was that's not Archie, even Archie. Yeah, Archie yeah. taking over was such a blessing for Al. I feel like. Yeah, no, it's he he fits perfectly into what and he, that's what you said. He's he's an Archie Miller guard. He really is. I feel like Devontae Green is too. I feel yeah. like they both sort of fit what he likes to do and the kind of guys he favors. Yep.
All right. Well, coming up in our final segment of this edition of the Assembly Call, Ryan and I hand out our game balls. We take a look ahead to Indiana's next opponent, Indiana State, and then we deliver our final thoughts on Indiana's victory over the University of Indianapolis in last call. That's next here on the Assembly Call. Stick with us. All right, you are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. I am Jared Morris here with Ryan Phillips, and we are wrapping up our breakdown of Indiana's 74-53 exhibition victory over the University of Indianapolis. And Ryan, this is our new segment this year where we hand out our game balls. So we go around the horn, and we start with you, your game ball from today's Indiana victory. I'm giving it to Freddie McSwain. I, I loved his performance. I loved the 12 points, nine rebounds. I loved how efficient he was, and I just loved his activity. And, and so while he may not have been the most consequential player on the floor, I, I loved the energy he brought, uh, particularly when, you know, Duran maybe needed a little bit more of a rest because he, you know, got bumped knees with somebody and, and needed a little uh, a little time off. So I liked what he brought. I'm, I'm hoping this is a developing thing. And the biggest key and the biggest reason I'm giving him my game ball is that four or five from the free throw line. He does that this year. He's going to be a much more effective player for Indiana. But, you know, 12 points in 13 minutes, he gets he gets my game ball. My game ball goes to Colin Hartman, uh, closely edging out Deron Davis because Colin Hartman was back on the court. <laughs> and so he didn't even really need to do anything for me to get excited and give him the game ball. But then he goes out and keys Indiana's big run in the first half, makes a big three in the second half. And again, as we talked about earlier on the show, I think showed that type of leadership with production. And I keep coming back to that phrase, responsibility for production that Archie used because I love it. And I think the upperclassmen, you know, really have that responsibility. And so, you know, on a day where Juwan Morgan struggled a little bit to do it, you know, in, in, in fewer minutes, Colin Hartman was able to come out there, knock down three threes, you know, play some good defense and get a, and get a few rebounds. And I think really show you not only what Indiana missed not having him on the court last year, but what he's going to bring to the table this year. So it was great to see him back out on the court and not just out on the court, but be his extremely productive and efficient self when he was out there. Uh, before we move to the preview, Ryan, you know, we haven't really talked about Curtis Jones or Justin Smith. Uh, didn't spend a whole lot of time on Josh Newkirk. Any other final thoughts on those guys before we move into the Indiana State preview? Uh, you know, I think all, all of them were sort of showed some things and also showed some issues they need to work on. Uh, Curtis Jones, I think looks so much better out there. I, you know, I, I obviously the production wasn't there today, but he just looks so much more comfortable and that stood out. That actually stood out to me as part of it. Not um, to mention the highlight move where he walked on air for that well, layup. That was yes. pretty beautiful. <laughs> uh, but no, I, I think that I just think that he looks more comfortable and he's going to be a contributor this year. And I think that was a big off season storyline was how would he develop? I and mean, this is a very highly recruited guy. Um, and, and he needed to step up this off season. He clearly, looks better so i think that that's going to be a, a big boost to indiana's backcourt this year yep all right so let's talk about indiana's upcoming opponent obviously andy bottoms is typically our man on the spot who does this uh but andy is not here so i will take that this week but i did get some insight from andy as well as our buddy brian tonsoni uh, whose son is a manager for indiana state was able to to give me a few nuggets uh, on indiana state and what they look like this year you know and they beat illinois in a scrimmage now illinois is not looking like anything even good or remotely worth talking about early in the season, but it does show that Indiana State can beat a Big Ten game, you know, a Big Ten team uh, in a scrimmage. Uh, they lost by 22 at Purdue in an exhibition. They beat Marion by 20 in their other exhibition. 
They come into the season not highly regarded by Ken Palm. They're the 203rd ranked team, and Ken Palm gives Indiana a 90% chance of victory, predicting an 82-68 to 68 win. They profile, at least early in the season, as a much better defensive team than an offensive team, uh, with an offensive Ken Palm ranking of 262 and a defensive ranking of 137. And it's an Indiana State program that has kind of been in steady decline. They were the number 92 Ken Palm team in 2013, and their end-of-season Ken Palm rating has decreased every season uh, through last year's ranking of 199. So, obviously, they are a program looking to kind of get themselves back going again. Now, they do have some experience in the backcourt. They have Brenton Scott, who is Bryson Scott's brother. You'll remember him from Indiana's loss to Fort Wayne last year. He is a high-usage guard, and so it's really going to be important for Indiana to put ball pressure on him, to keep him out of the lane, to not give him open three-point looks. Because he is going to try and score. He had a usage rate last year of 28%, which was 125th in the country. Uh, but his offensive rating was only 94.5. And if you're not familiar with those numbers, that is basically a very high usage rate and a low offensive efficiency. Uh, so obviously, he's a guy that a lot is relied upon. And maybe that you know kind of compels him to force some shots at times. But he doesn't really turn it over You know, as a guy who forces some steals on defense. Uh, and that really is their strength, is is their backcourt with Scott and Barnes. Um, also, from a defensive standpoint, they put good good pressure on the ball, um, but not always able to sustain it over the full 30 seconds. So if Indiana is patient, they should be able to get good shots against this Indiana State team. And from a weakness standpoint, you know, post play has been a weakness. They're not a great rebounding team. Uh, and as I mentioned with Scott, you know, their shot selection really kind of wanes at times. So, you know, basically they are a team that, play hard, they play scrappy, they're going to come in with a chip on their shoulder looking to you know shock the world and, and, and make it an unhappy debut for Archie Miller in his regular season, his first regular season game at Simon Scott uh, Assembly Hall. But you know, will they have the athletes? Will they have the ability to get up and down with Indiana? Uh, and, and will they have the ability to score against this newfound Indiana defense that we've seen? So it is a good challenge for Indiana in the first game. It's an in-state team. I think that's good. They're going to come in and play hard. But it's certainly a game that Indiana should win and win comfortably if the Hoosiers come focused and certainly if they clean up some of the errors that we've seen over the first two exhibition games. So should be a fun first game. That game is Friday night. It'll be the regular season debut for the Indiana Hoosiers. All right, last call is coming up. You are listening to the Assembly Call IU postgame show. One final reminder, because you are an Assembly Call listener, you get 15% off your entire order at HoosierProud.com. So if you want officially licensed IU gear or one of our Assembly Call logo t-shirts or one of Hoosier Proud's really unique, really awesome Indiana-inspired designs, visit HoosierProud.com and use the promo code ASSEMBLY at checkout. That's HoosierProud.com, promo code ASSEMBLY for 15% off your entire order. All right, Mr. Phillips, it is time for last call. Your concluding thoughts on today's 74-53 victory over the University of Indianapolis. Thank goodness the offseason is officially over. I consider exhibition games part of the offseason. Let's get to some actual games. We've been waiting for the Archie Miller debut forever at the place I am now calling Archie's Bunker in Assembly Hall. Oh, my. Let's, let's do it. <laughs> let's get this going. How long I, have you been holding that back? Oh, months. I, I've been telling it to all my friends for months, but so we will get our <laughs> debut of the Archie Miller era. Let's get it going. A lot of people have been waiting a long time for this. I among them and uh, I'm, I'm looking forward to it. I think it's going to be fun. It, it's a good, as you said, good test, good matchup uh, to open things. Not the kind of test you want, you know, all year long, but this is the kind of, you know, 
mid-level matchup you want to open the season. Very excited. Let's see how these guys do when when you know when we they toss it up for real. And uh, I'm excited. I'm I'm, I'm it's going to be my entire Friday night. So I'm looking forward to it. Absolutely. You know, as we look back now on on this exhibition season, I think, you know, with with some of Indiana's better teams, you come out in these exhibition games and a lot of times you'll see 40, 50 point blowout victories. And it's just it's laughable in the second half. And there's a whole lot of garbage time. And we didn't really see that in these two exhibition games. I mean, Indiana won handily. They won comfortably in the second half. Certainly weren't in doubt. And Archie was able to empty the bench at the end of the game. Uh, but, you know, obviously we saw some warts and we saw a team working through some things. And I think that is to be expected uh, with this roster and with it being a new coach. But as I look back to what I was thinking about entering the exhibition season, there were three things that I wanted to see. First and foremost, get out of it healthy. That's always the number one thing for an exhibition season. Check mark. And not only did Indiana get out of it healthy, they got healthy as it went along with Colin Hartman and Al Durham uh, being able to step in and play their first minutes today and be productive, which was nice to see. Uh, the second thing is, do we see a new defensive mentality? It's been talked about. Does the action match the talk? Will Indiana actually walk the walk? And I think we've seen that. And there have been stretches where Indiana has fallen into some bad habits. And you, I think you can really see that when the guys get tired, the defense looks a little bit more like it did last year. And so I think Archie will obviously, you know, be smart with the rotation as the games start to count. And obviously the conditioning will get better. The guys will get in better game shape. But for the most part, when Indiana has been fresh, the defense has been really good. And we've seen a renewed uh, continuity, a renewed ability to communicate and much better awareness. So that is a big plus. And the third thing that we all wanted to see is a reduction in turnovers, valuing the ball. And as we talked about a lot on this show, we've seen it with Indiana only turning it over 18 times in the two exhibition games after turning it over more than 40 times in the exhibition games last year. So, you know, whereas you maybe don't give a whole bunch of style points for Indiana, and I don't know that anybody saw anything in these exhibition games that makes you say this is a 25-win team that's going to, you know, be in top four in the Big Ten, I think we saw good signs of progress, and we saw what we needed to see out of this team as they learn under Archie Miller to feel encouraged entering the regular season. Because I think... If we're being realistic IU fans, we know that it's going to be a tough November and probably a tough December. And this team may lose more games than we want to see them lose early on as they get comfortable with the new coach and in the new system. But you just want to see the progress. And I thought we saw progress from game one to game two. I think we'll see progress again on Friday. And that's the sign of a team that's really bought into each other, bought into their coach. And early in the season, that's what it seems like to me. And so I leave this exhibition season uh, very, very encouraged. I know someone asked me, you know, what have I seen? Do I feel better or worse now about where this team will finish in the Big Ten? If you listen to the latest episode of Crimson Cast, I joined Galen Clavio and we went game by game and gave our predictions. I had Indiana at 21 and 9, 11 and 7 in the conference, which would probably put us right around fourth or fifth. Uh, and I feel I feel very comfortable with that. I said fifth in the Big Ten. Uh, you know, several weeks ago, and I've seen nothing to push me off of that. I think this team has more talent than people are giving it credit for. And if they combine that with better defense and fewer turnovers, I think all of the elements are there for this to be a tough, gritty team that doesn't beat itself. And because of that, will be in a much better position game to game to beat their opponent. And I think by the time January and February and especially March roll around, this is going to be a team no one wants to face and a team that is a really tough out uh, in any type of regular season or tournament situation. 
that's what I'm looking forward to. But right now, I'm looking forward to next Friday as we get this regular season going. Uh, absolutely can't wait for that game. And I hope that you will join us both for our Thursday night show, uh, Assembly Call Radio, and then also for the post-game show uh, after the game against Indiana State. All righty. Well, that will do it for us on this edition of the Assembly Call IU post-game show. Remember that our live broadcasts immediately following every IU game are always available on our homepage at assemblycall.com and on our YouTube channel, youtube.com slash assemblycall. And you can always catch up on demand anytime with our podcast. Just search for Assembly Call wherever you listen to podcasts. And finally, don't forget, go to assemblycall.com slash join and join our free email newsletter. All right, we will talk to you again Thursday night for Assembly Call Radio and then Friday night for the IU Indiana State postgame show. Until then, keep your elbows in and your eyes on the rim and go Hoosiers. Thank you for being here and for listening to this episode of The Assembly Call. We appreciate it. And we really do rely on the support of audience members like you to keep our show going and to keep growing. And so we have set up a page on our website at assemblycall.com support that lists five ways that you can support The Assembly Call. And we encourage you to choose whichever method is the easiest and most convenient for you. One of the methods is donating, and so many of you have donated, and we appreciate it so much. On that page, you can choose a monthly recurring donation or an annual recurring donation or just a one-time donation, whatever works for you. And if you don't want to donate, another way to support the show is you can use our affiliate URLs, iutickets.shop or iustore.shop when you're going to shop for tickets or gear, and we will get paid a small commission when you use those links. But however you support the show... We appreciate it. Thank you. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Whew. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Sticky notes, email alerts, a string around your finger. They're just not big enough. So here's a big reminder from the California Lottery. Tonight's Mega Millions jackpot is over $250 million. Play now. Please play responsibly. Must be 18 years or older to purchase player client. Some people just know there's a better way to do things. Like bundling your home and auto insurance with Allstate. Or hiring someone to move your piano instead of doing it yourself. So do things the better way. Bundle home and auto and save up to 25% with Allstate. Bundled savings vary by state and are not available in every state. Saving up to 25% is the countrywide average of the maximum available savings off the home policy. All state vehicle and property insurance company and affiliates, Northbrook, Illinois.